So welcome in to the Backroads Podcast. This is the playoff edition, week number two, week 13, 14, 12, somewhere in there, Bobby. I lose track of it. It doesn't really matter. It is playoff edition week number two. So much to talk about. We got by district action. We'll look at the area matchups. Volleyball is going to have a new champion. We got Lehman Six Man 101. Coach Pashovsky coming at you from Buena Vista. So much. So let's get started. I'm Craig Spree with the Happy Sports Network. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Well, Bobby, as much as I love doing this show, we don't have to do this very often. And I am, I just, Honestly, I was stunned when I got the news yesterday, and it just still stuns me to read about it. So uh, for those who have not heard, Coach Matthew Hoover, the head coach over at Anton, only 38 years of age, passed away yesterday morning. Longtime member of the six-man coaching community. He was a really good guy. I know he was really good to you. He's been good to me. He's been good to so many people in the six-man land. A lot of coaches just absolutely stunned by this. And it's just, it's tough to see, especially when it's somebody that young. Oh, and you know, he had a beautiful family and he was really turning things around there in Anton. And I know the Bulldog family just absolutely loved him. Um, So yes, it is. It's, it was shocking and I didn't have words for a long time because I didn't really, you know, how you go into denial and you think, no, that's, that didn't happen. Uh, But you know, it did, but. Uh, our prayers are with his family, players, and the Anton community during this very, you know, sad time. Um, Lehman was good friends with Coach Hoover, and so he wanted me to read a, a tribute to Coach Hoover for the podcast, and I am extremely happy to do that. Matt Hoover was one of the few coaches I've really gotten to know, and that was because we both shared a great love for six-man football the history of the sport, and history in general. Hoover was one of the few coaches to win Texas Six-Man Coaches Association basketball game and football game. He helped coach and organize the Can-Am Bowl as well. He loved coaching. He loved the kids he coached and his coaching colleagues and friends. He was high energy and friendly natured, and he had the biggest smile and one of the biggest hearts I've ever encountered. He was a good friend to Lehman and to many others. Um, This is heartbreaking for all of us as it is for everyone who has heard the news and he's been taken away too soon. Most definitely couldn't, couldn't put it any better there than what Lehman did. And it's just, it is a shock. And like I say, you know, we do this podcast and we love it. We love building up the six man community and that's something that Coach Hoover loved was six man football and and you know doing his best there at Anton. So he know, did love right. it. He loved it so very much. Uh, one thing that the Anton community um, is doing, if you all want to go look at Pete Christie, he's a Lubbock area sportscaster who was very good friends with Coach Hoover, and they have set up a GoFundMe for the family. And they're also going to be passing the bucket at halftime of the Whit Harold Klondike game to help to hopefully assist uh, his family in this time of need. Uh, that's a very good uh, uh, recognition of Coach Hoover and uh, everybody uh, taking care of, of of each other. And you know, it's just you look at this and Coach Hoover at 38 years old. It just reminds you that never take life for granted. Always hug those you love. 
never take them for granted and never go to bed mad or angry at each other because you don't know what the next day brings. You know, that's so true. And, and when a tragedy like this happens, we all, we all think, think that, but sometimes we forget, just like Craig said, you know, think about those things, um, love the people around you, be kind, be compassionate, help others. I know Coach Hoover would have loved that. And I, I'm going to choose to celebrate Coach Hoover because I believe that's what he would have wanted. I'm I'm with you there. Well, speaking of Coach Hoover and the things that he loves, that's six-man football. So let's get into it, Bobby. Let's talk about the Backroads podcast because that is exactly what he would have wanted. I'm going to start things off with the head coach over at the uh, Buena Vista Longhorns. And one way or another, we're going to get his name right. That is Coach Pushkas. <laughs> See you go. Oh my goodness, you didn't get it. I can't push off ski. How did push I do it? Is that right? That's it. You oh, did good. so excited. That's the first time I think. <laughs> well, let's get to it before I butcher his name again. It's Coach P. We got our coaching interview for the week, and that is the head coach for the Buena Vista Longhorns, Coach Pushovsky. I think I got that right. Coach P, how are you this afternoon? And I'm doing good. Appreciate you guys having me. You, you bet. So your Longhorns now into the area round. You pick up a big victory over O'Donnell, 86 to 36. Hey, let's just start there. Tell us about that game and uh, how well your team played in that one. You know, obviously we're excited to be in that point. You know, it's been a while since we've been uh, in the playoffs, whatever. Um, but going into that game, you know, O'Donnell, I mean, they're uh, coach Baez does a good job of coaching. They got some kids there that are, you know, some good athletes. And so, you know, we knew essentially that they were going to be able to, you know, run the ball well. We knew that we had to, uh, you know, eliminate big plays with them. And then on uh, offense, offensive side for us, we knew that we were going to have to, um, you know, essentially block and, you know, continue running the ball uh, hard like we've been doing in the past. And uh, we felt if we could do those things right there, you know, we'd at least give ourselves a, a, you know, a pretty good opportunity to, you know, maybe come away with the win. And, you know, that's essentially kind of what happened for us. We, uh, you know, put some things together. Um, our defense probably played a little bit better than what we expected, to be honest with you, because like I said, those guys were – I mean, they're, they're bigger than us. I mean, they were, you know, well-coached or whatever. And, you know, our defense came up and played uh, really well for us. You know, when you talk about your team and you look at it, you guys are extremely young. Talk about the youth on that ball club, uh, not only uh, the youth, but also the seniors that helped lead that. And then uh, what it's been like to try and get those guys ready at the high school level. We are young, essentially. We are young. We play with a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, whatever. Um, the, the seniors, though – you know, these guys are here. They've been with me uh, through thick and thin. And, I mean, you know, it wasn't but about three years ago. I mean, we were playing with these guys right here uh, that were the seniors. We were playing with them as freshmen. And, you know, we were essentially going into games with, you know, as coaches trying to get a first down and trying to get maybe a tackle. And, you know, at that time I had to I, – I absorbed a uh, schedule that was pretty tough, you know, with some teams on there from, you know, Rankin and Garden City and Sterling City and, you know, quite a few more or whatever. And, Man, we went through the gauntlet with those kids, and essentially we only had nine at that time too. We only had nine kids playing, and like I said, six of those were freshmen. And I mean, it was it was brutal. It was brutal to say the least, whatever. But you know, those kids, you know, they they stuck with it. We finished out the season, and from there, you know, they just kept getting better and better and better, and they started building. And you know, essentially, you know, we're up to about twenty five kids now playing, and they are the ones that have kind of set a foundation for us, you know, here and. You know, I think our younger kids now are starting to, you know, buy into the the way that we do things here and uh, and how we need to do things in order for us to be successful. 
So, so when you look at it uh, at, at this ball club coming up next on the schedule, you get the Westbrook Wildcats. No easy task there. Talk about the game ahead of you. You know, clearly, I mean, Westbrook, I mean, defending state champions, I mean, there, Coach Matlock does an uh, awesome job of coaching. Uh, you know, that's, I don't think they do anything. I think they're real similar to us. You know, I don't think they do anything fancy. I think they line up, they're going to try to smash you. And uh, they have some, you know, big kids that block well. They got some uh, running backs that run the ball uh, really hard. And on defense, I mean, you know, they, uh, they they play really fast. They play really fast. And, I mean, they get in your backfield quick, and they cause a lot of problems. And, you know, they are uh, – I mean, essentially, they're, they're a great team. I mean, they're they're a really great team. And that's what it takes, you know, to to do the things they've done here in the past. You know, it takes, you know, that type of commitment to, uh, you know, to work hard and stuff like that. And then, you know, to have the athletes that they have and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, in order for the stuff that they're doing, it just takes those things to to be there. Talk about six-man football way out west where you're at because it seems like a lot of times the teams out there kind of get lost in the shuffle. Have you found it difficult to grow a foundation of football out there um, versus some of these other schools when you're in the Garden City ranking, that type of area where football is really the bread and butter of what goes on? Where we are, where we're located, yes, you know, there's not uh, – our, our games are far and few between – the places that we play are far and few between, however, but uh, – you know, I think that I think that what we have here right now is the fact that we have kids that are uh, they really enjoy football. Um, they enjoy competing, whatever. I think that, you know, we have a, we have a fan base right now that is. I mean, it, it's unbelievable right now. The, the things that we are, uh, you know, the things that the fans are doing for us. I mean, the other night we had a fan of ours. So he bought he bought two buses to haul fans to our uh, to our games, whatever. And. You know, I think right now that the the things are changing out here for us specifically because of uh, just the excitement that we have uh, that we've generated, you know, within the team and that spread into our to our community right now. And our community has really got behind us and, uh, you know, supported us, you know, throughout this whole way. So, you know, I think that I, th I think that things are changing for us a little bit here uh, in, in our neck of the woods anyways. That, that, that's amazing. Buying two buses to bring fans that 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 is a true supporter of your football program right there. Most definitely. <laughs> I've seen on Facebook where they feed you a lot too, and that food looks good. You know what? The, the bad thing about that is, is I'm, I'm not even going to be able to walk out through the doors here eventually. Uh, <laughs> my goodness. They have, like I said, I mean, we have, uh, you know, we have Saturday morning film, and there was, I mean, yesterday we had donuts and, um, I mean, there's, al there's always kind of any kind of food. I mean, we've had donuts and we've had, uh burritos and we've had i don't even know what all we've had uh typically on wednesday nights uh our fans are feeding some type of a meal we've had anything from uh spaghetti and pasta or whatever to uh, a steak dinner and stuff and so i mean it has been just an enormous amount of support for us and for these kids whatever and you know i uh am very, am very thankful for that so that's all i mean every time i see that food i just thinking man he is a lucky guy look at all that good food <laughs> we have quite a bit you're, you're lucky until you have to go buy new clothes right <laughs> man no kidding <laughs> all right coach so i gotta ask you this question because we we kind of touched on it on the outset how many iterations of your last name have you been called in your life man i can't even tell you there's so many uh there's so many mispronunciation pronunciations i can't even tell you um you know, it's funny because uh, 
my grandpa actually has like he has a booklet of the different spellings that people have sent him like mail and he collects that or whatever and he has a whole booklet of just of uh, mis uh, misspellings or whatever but as far as uh, you know be, playing football at Abbott or whatever I mean I think the only place they ever called me the the uh got it right was whenever we played at home and but you know what for me it doesn't bother me it, it's actually funny we're talking about this because uh our uh our number three running back Tristan Griffin um man he <laughs> the other night he was called Hernandez uh a few games uh, ago he was called Martinez and you know I just look at his name it's Griffin that's pretty simple and I look at my name and <laughs> you know I, I I don't see uh I don't see I don't think I don't think they'd want to try to uh make it any difficult to wear than what it is and uh but yes I've been called I've been called many things whatever for sure. <laughs> Well, you mentioned Abbott. Talk about growing up in Abbott in, in that community because that's a very tight-knit community as well. Yeah, you know what? It is It's a real tight-knit community, you know, very family-oriented and whatnot. You know, being a Pachowski, um, there's many Pachowskis there, and, uh, you know, that's that's a that's a common name there, you know. And so um, it is very tight-knit, wherever, very close. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think that, uh, you know, Coach Crawford has done, you know, even uh, since I've left there or whatever. I mean, they I think they brought it even, you know, closer to weather, uh, together than uh, – than what it has been or whatever. And I think that, you know, essentially I think it, it has to do a lot with him, to be honest with you, uh, you know, and in, in these small towns, you know, a lot of it revolves around the sports and, you know, clearly with him being in the middle of it and being there for however many years he's been there, you know, I think he has a lot to do with that, to be honest with you and the culture that they've created and, you know, the closest that they have there. Talk about that closeness in a community, because I think that's one of the good things we see in six man football. I mean, the football program, the basketball program, whatever it is, really is the community, whatever's going on at that time. You don't get that in the bigger schools. How important is that for you as a coach when you're trying to sell something like, hey, let's build this football program from from here and let's take it to the next step? Well, you know, I think I think essentially the main thing is you do have to have that foundation with, uh, you know, for me, I'm lucky to have the administrators I have. And essentially this started, uh, what we started here was essentially started with just a, small group of parents wherever that, you know, kind of bought into what we were building here as a program. And now it's just blown up into, you know, I think people now, it seems that they want to be a part of it. And I think essentially that that is, uh, you know, when people want to, when something's going good, you know, they want to be a part of that. And I think that, you know, um, direct reflection on our kids of what they've tried to build too is, you know, something that th this community can be proud of. Well, coach, best of luck, uh, this week, obviously Westbrook, a tough game, but, uh, Definitely got the Longhorns playing uh, very, very well. Best of luck to your team uh, this week, and hopefully we'll talk to you down the road. Hey, I sure appreciate it. Thank you all again for having me. Well, Bobby, it was great to have Coach Pashovsky on here. You know, um, once you gotta understand how to say it, then it'll just roll off the tongue. Well, I don't know. My tongue kind of gets in the way when I try to say words <laughs> like that. But, you know, I told him, I said, I'll just call you Coach P. And he said that he that would be just fine with him. So <laughs> I think I'm just going to stay with that. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's funny because I asked him that question. How many times have you heard your name said wrong or differently? And I just can't imagine. I really can't. You know how it is. You put a J in there. You put an X. You put a Z. We mess those names up all the time. Yeah, we just have no idea how to handle that at all. <laughs> And and we're sorry, but you know we're we're just fessing up right now. We just we're just not that great at that. Well, as as most people would say, we are six man folks, so I guess that makes us country bumpkins, and you know mm -hmm. we don't know how to talk all the time. Oh, whatever. I don't <laughs> I don't buy into that at all.
Well, let's get to it. It is the playoff edition week number two. And Bobby, we had some really good matchups, some surprising outcomes. But really, for the most part, when you look at it, I would say that most of the teams that were expected to win took care of business in week one. I agree with that completely. So let's get started. Uh, we will start in Division One, Region One. Knox City takes out Petersburg 50 to 28. Bryson Callaway with 193 yards passing and three touchdowns. Tristan Baxter had 67 yards on the ground and two scores. And Devin Guillory, 98 yards receiving and two touchdowns. And a name you probably heard before with Petersburg, Dylan Peraz, 10 carries, 66 yards and a touchdown. Also had a passing touchdown. That's right. That would be uh, the uh, older Peraz's, Caden Peraz's brother. Uh, Dylan there, so uh, another really tough guy to bring down uh, when you take on the Petersburg Buffaloes moving forward. Also on that side of the bracket, matching up with Knox City next week, Happy and Miami took uh, took to battle Friday night in White Deer at about 5 o'clock, and it was plenty cold there. I can promise you that, and Happy, no problem with Miami. 52 to nothing, they win that one via the mercy rule at halftime. Camden and Spirit, 177 yards passing, three touchdowns. Quay Hodges? The same exact stats, 177 yards uh, receiving and three touchdowns. They were quite a good combination in that ballgame. And then Joy Blackman, 89 yards rushing and two scores. Hayden Thompson for Miami, their spread back, who's racked up so many yards on the year. Uh, Cowboys were able to hold him to five carries for 14 yards and only 75 yards through the air. That's a Miami team that was averaging 372 yards of offense uh, per game. And so Happy shut them down to just 97. So a good job there by the Cowboy defense. So Happy and Knox City will bat them. We'll talk all about that once we get through everything. On the other side of the bracket, another really good game that was the doubleheader to that one. Nazareth and Follett. And Nazareth comes out on top in this one, 40-24. to 24. What about the job by Luke Schulte? 27 carries, 349 yards and two touchdowns. Sterl Welp stole a show. He got three touchdowns, one from one yard, one from three yards, and one from four yards. That's the kind of fullback I need to be. And four <laughs> fall at David Meeks, 13 of 18, 174 yards passing and a touchdown. Uh, and he had 32 yards rushing and a touchdown. The Panthers lost uh, Shane Franks there in the fourth quarter with an injury. But Nash just came out, and they really did a, did a good job on Follett. They got up early, and their defense just really gave the Panthers some fits through most of that ballgame. Same side of the bracket there. Spring Lake Earth, this is a game you were at. Spring Lake Earth wins it over Spur, 50-42. to 42. I think maybe that was a little bit of an upset to a lot of people. I think a lot of folks thought Spur would win that one. For the Wolverines, Jerry Gay goes 209 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Also had a kickoff return for a touchdown. The big man, Derek Rosales, 137 yards receiving and a touchdown. And for Spur, your good friend Corey Hamilton, 28 carries, 252 yards, two touchdowns, 178 yards receiving and two touchdowns. That is simply amazing. Over 400 yards total offense there for Hamilton and four touchdowns. Also had eight tackles in the ballgame. Said, what the heck, I'll play a little defense. Gunnar <laughs> Bateman, 8 of 15, 249, and four touchdowns. But you were at this one. It's a really close ball game uh, Thursday night. Tell us about it. It was. It was a very defensive game. I mean, you know, 50 to 42, most people don't think that's very defensive. But it really was. They both played really well on both sides of the ball, and it was back and forth. And I really had no idea who was going to win that. But um, one of the problems in this game that I have seen here lately is the inability to get the point after. Mm. Those stack up on you and can really can really hurt you at the end of the game. Uh, another thing that hurt Spur was Gunner Bateman went out early in the fourth quarter. 
you know, they did the best they could without him, but you know, that's a, that's a big athlete to lose, uh, especially when you're tied up. So it was a really good game. I enjoyed it. I went every single second of the game and I can't say enough about how Spur and Spring Lake Earth played each other. So good luck to the Wolverines in the playoffs yeah. in the area round. Yeah, area rounds. They will face off with Nazareth. Region two, Whiteface, no problem with Van Horn, 56 to 6. Julio Brunda, like that last name, four carries, 117 yards, three touchdowns. Ethan Kaufman, 106 yards on the ground as well, and two touchdowns. Also had a pick in that ball game. And Bryce Verdell finishes the season off 10 carries, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Rankin over Iris, 74 to 42. And I think in a game that was a lot closer than people expected, this game was tight for most of it. Before Rankin ran away with it, Barrett Jackson, 187 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Blake Wise, 6 of 11, 93 yards and two touchdowns. Roman Joyce, he ran wild with Jackson as well. 21 carries, 141 yards and two touchdowns. For the Bulldogs, well, they did a lot of hay through the air. Aiden Claxton, 17 of 28, 282 and three touchdowns. His favorite target was Zane Allen, eight receptions for 162 yards and three touchdowns there. And, you know, I, Hey, kudos to Ira for sticking for sticking with Rankin. Rankin number one in the state in and uh, some of the rankings there, but uh, that game was close there for a long time, Bobby. It was. I was. I was a little surprised when I saw the score was tied several times, and Ira was was hanging in there. Kudos, to Toby Goodwin and those Bulldogs. Wow, uh, I don't think anyone across the state expected that, but we all know Toby Goodwin, and we all know that he likes surprising people. <laughs> he was good with it in that game. Speaking of uh, surprises, no surprise here when you talk about who led Westbrook and their victory over Garden City, 72 to 22. Cedric Ware, uh, for those who maybe thought, hey, you know, is this entry going to bother him? Uh, we're going to see the same type of kid. At, don't worry. 23 carries, 354 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, Parker Matlock, uh, 46 yards uh, passing and two touchdowns. Mason Walker, four of the Bearcats. Six carries for 54 yards and a touchdown. Logan Seidenberger, only five of 16 through the air and 41 yards. Uh, that is a very low output there for Logan. Uh, usually pretty adept at passing the ball. But Westbrook, no problem with Garden City. And like I say, the uh, the untimely demise of Cedric Ware for whatever anybody might have thought was going to happen, that is far from the case. And that does not bode well for those who are going to face the Wildcats moving forward in the playoffs. That's awesome. correct, because uh, he was 100%, as were the rest of the Wildcats. They were running on all cylinders. And uh, let me tell you, they are up to speed now. Um, unfortunately for Garden City, they had Jeff Jones tells me, and I saw this with my own eyes, but, uh, you know, it's hard to win when you keep giving the ball to the other team. It's a, a small problem when you play football. It is. Yeah, yeah. So they have a few issues with that, but... Uh, you know, they were still trying to get over all the, the brutalness of playing Rankin and, and Westbrook just come out and just put it to him. They did. So that's a scary thought for those facing the Wildcats moving forward. And also on that side of the bracket, Buena Vista, we talked to Coach Pashowski, uh just a little bit ago. No problem with O'Donnell, 86 to 36. Tristan Griffin, 20 carries. Get that last name right, Griffin. 20 carries, 221 yards and six touchdowns. Braden Wertis had a pick six and a kickoff return for a touchdown for the youthful Longhorns there. And now they get Westbrook. 
Moving down to Region 3 in Division 1, it was the Abbott Panthers all over Milford, 56-10. Riley Sestala, 214 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. Mason Hale, Isaiah Singleton-Brooks, Carson Johnson each had a rushing touchdown in this ballgame. And for the Bulldogs, Corey Serrata, 10 carries, 50 yards, also 23 yards uh, passing. Uh, and the lone touchdown for the Bulldogs as he returned and kickoff 75 yards for a score. Blum all over Aquila, 84 to 38. Union Hill, no problem with Gorman, 48 to 6. Jake Bass with 147 rushing yards and three touchdowns, also had a forced fumble. And Devin Espinosa, 88 yards rushing, two touchdowns and two interceptions in that ballgame for the Bulldogs. Gordon takes out St. Joe, 62 to 16. And a striker read. Eight carries, 115 yards, and four touchdowns. If your first name is Striker, you're going to be good at some sport. You just have to be. Of course. <laughs> also, four of 11 through the year, 96 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Riley Reed, six carries, 84 yards, and a score as well. For St. Joe, Trevor O'Neill, 24 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown. And Matthew Everson, 108 yards passing and a score. So let's go to Region 4 and maybe the game of the night for sure on thursday night and that's hard to do because spring lake earth and spur were battling as well but maybe the game of the night i you know one of the best games of the season arian county and a lot of people's minds upsets may 104 to 91 that's right 104 to 91 nothing funner before we get into the stats in this one than looking at the scoreboard and seeing that one team's got 91 points the other team's got four you know there's going to be a lot of stats in this one we got to start getting three digits up on our six-man scoreboards. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, so many stats. So hang on to your uh, belt loops for this one. Jordan Harrison, 20 carries, 341 yards, seven touchdowns, and 11 tackles. Uh, Trevin Kofel said, uh, not bad, Jordan, but I think I can do you better. 193 yards passing, four touchdowns, 22 tackles, two pick sixes, and a fumble return – or, sorry, a fumble recovery – so he tried to do uh, Jordan one better. I'm not quite sure who won that statistical battle there. <laughs> and then uh, Bo Morrow said, you guys go do what you want to. I'll I'll receive the ball five times for 111 yards and two touchdowns. Same thing on the other side for May. Luke McKenzie, 15 of 18, 170 yards passing and six touchdowns. Braden Steele, 10 of 18 passing, 186 yards and two touchdowns. He also carried the ball 56 yards for a touchdown and had 15 tackles. And then he went over the sideline and said, what else you need me to do, Dad? Take out the trash. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our, our favorite guy, Damian Salinas there, 12 tackles, a forced fumble, a rushing, and a receiving touchdown as that young man finishes up his uh, football career. What a ball game. Erion County in May, 104-91. to I kept watching the scoreboard on that when we were broadcasting the Spurs Spring Lake Earth game. And it was like ticking up like it was counting down on a timer. They scored so many times. And... I mean, one team would get up 25 and we'd be like, okay, the momentum has shifted. It, they're going to take off with it. And nope, nope. You know, here comes the other team and then they get ahead 20. I mean, it was ridiculous the amount of times that changed, that lead changed. Interesting. Well, it, it was an amazing ball game there. Erion County wins it 104 to 91. Hey, Lakey in a barn burner with Leverage Chapel. They win this one 39 to 35. I got a I got a note about that one. Uh Leverage Chapel. So Dency and Michael were there at that game. They were playing in Temple at Holy Trinity. And it had rained a lot. It was muddy. I can't wait to see Dency's pictures because um 
both of those teams played in the mud after their games because it was a doubleheader. Dinsey said that the mascot for the Leverett's Chapel Lions was the best mascot ever. And she said that it's a winner and she just wanted to squeeze him. Um, it was a large lion and it was very poofy. And we put a picture of it up on our podcast webpage. Uh, so Leverage Chapel, we love your lion mascot. We hope to see him again next year. That's awesome. Also there in Region 4, Jonesboro, no problem with Menard, 54-6. to Bedina all over Chester, 52-6. to And so that wraps up Division 1 there. And uh, we'll go through Division 2, and then we'll get to the playoff pairings. But, uh, you know, as we talked about, a lot of those teams that we thought would win did win, but some really good games in there. And I think what amazed me more than anything, playing in the playoffs, the number of rushers that we had with two and 300 yards there in Division 1 for uh, Week 1, Bobby. Oh, yeah. They just they just took off. I mean, we're at that point in the season that that, that kind of thing's going to happen because, you know, you're trying to get them to peak performance, and, and they're getting there, and you can tell from the stats. So let's move down to Division Two. We'll start in Region 1. And now, if there was an upset, and I guess it depends on whether we want, how you want to look at the rankings and what have you, but just based on what I knew, a groom takes care of Amherst 44-24. to 24. That's pretty impressive because Amherst beat them by 30 earlier in the season, but groom just keeps getting better and better as the season goes on. Some kid named Steven Keeler, He's only about five foot eight, but man, he causes havocs for defenses. 178 yards rushing, two touchdowns, 183 yards passing and four touchdowns. Blaine Shuck, uh, the uh, on the other end of nine of those receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. And talking about a team effort, uh, Coach Pete told me they had five players who had two or more receptions, and five different players also had a touchdown in that ball game as they beat Amherst 44 to 24. Waiting on the other side of the bracket for them. That's right, the Balmoray Bears. No problem with loop 52-6, to six, so that'll be a good one. We'll get to that shortly. Klondack over Sanderson, 63-36. to 36. I kind of wondered how this game would go. Uh, Sanderson had been undefeated for most of the season, but uh, Klondack doing a good job there. And then finally, how about this one, Whit Harrell. They say, no, you're not going to upset us this time. They take out Silverton 46 to nothing. After falling uh, 34 to 27 or 34 to 30 earlier in the season, Shamadric Weaver 134 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, also a passing touchdown, and uh, Jaron Ellard efficient 59 yards passing and two scores. They held Silverton to 57 total yards. I, I think that's what you call um, protecting their playoff spot. No doubt there, and not yeah. allowing the regular season to have anything to say about it. Well, and that can be a big thing because there are multiple times where, you know, you look at these matchups, especially in by district where it is a rematch of the regular season. And you've got to be careful to not take what happened in the regular season and say, OK, well, we beat them by 30. We're going to beat them by 30 again. That's not always the case, especially depending on when you played them. If you played them late in the season, you might can pull that a little bit more. But especially if you played a team, say, in week two or week three and they show up on the schedule 10 weeks later. A lot of things change between now and then. We see it all the time. Every single year we see it. So let's move down to Region 2. Jaden, in a hard-fought battle, takes out Paducah 44-13. to uh, Newcastle overrule 97-49. to Isaac King 186 yards rushing, three touchdowns, 175 yards passing, five touchdowns. 
seven tackles, an interception, a fumble recovery. He drove the bus home for Coach Archer, got home, broke down the film, and said, Coach, <laughs> I've done enough for the night. He went to bed. Ty Strawbridge said, well, I'll just chip in 81 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, 78 yards receiving, three touchdowns, the fumble recovery, four touchdowns, and six tackles. <laughs> oh, nice That's job. a dynamic duo right there. It definitely is. Nice job there by the uh, Newcastle Bobcats in that victory. Throckmorton over Goldberg. They beat the Bears 54-8. to Benjamin, no problem with Motley County, 56-6. to So that wraps up Region 2. Region 3, break up the Morgan Eagles. Bobby, break them up. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. Okay, I have to tell you this. You know, come on, say his name. Say his Rico name. Suave. Adrian Vera Rico. Rico Suave. I know. I'm going to have to play that song. I swear. I have to tell you, though, this is really funny because Kyler went with me. Kyler Pepper went with me to broadcast the Spur Spring Lake Earth game. And so he was asking me, he listens to the podcast and he was asking me about uh, Rico Suave and what that meant. Well, for all of you out there who don't know Rico Suave, maybe you should get on YouTube and go watch the Rico Suave uh, official video video music video it's a music video and it's from the 90s the early 90s so i played the song for kyler and he said oh i get it now (laughs) so i love that absolutely love that you know bobby we talked about the song so much kyler doesn't know it so let's let the world hear what we always talk about when we talk about adrian vera rico enrico suave suave Rico. <laughs> you know, I, I've got to say, they got to go watch the video on YouTube, YouTube oh, because yeah. it, it, the, the, I mean, the music's great, but the, the official video, it, it just does it <laughs> justice, let me tell you. Oh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, you know, if Adrian Vererico had an int- at an entrance music, that would yeah. be it. Yeah, if he plays baseball, that's what he should have. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> Well, let's talk about those uh, Morgan Eagles. They get their first ever playoff victory. They take out Fannindale 70 to 34. EJ Ovulus, 16 carries, 190 yards, three touchdowns, 122 yards passing, and three touchdowns. And our man, Adrian Vererico, 18 carries, 86 yards, and two touchdowns. Kaysen Sims, very simple name there for you, 16 tackles for the Eagles. So, congratulations to the Eagles there on picking up their first ever playoff victory. But uh, <laughs> just got to love it. Got to love it. Also in Region 3, Oakwood over Bynum, 71-44. to 44. Some guy named Zach Nickerson, 19 carries, 319 yards, only six touchdowns. He took a part of the day off or something there if he could only get six. Uh, but the Panthers won at 71-44. to 44. Bluffdale over Calvert, 80-30. to 30. And Oglesby, the Tigers, take out Iredale, 60-30. to 30. Down in Region 4 and the big game that everybody saw on the schedule. Hey, Richland Springs was impressive, taking out Zephyr 61-16. to Billy Perry on the night, 18 carries, 243 yards and six touchdowns. Keston Lusty, nine carries, 95 yards and two touchdowns. And for Zephyr, Trip Ballard, 14 carries, 82 yards and a score. Carson Floyd had 59 yards as well and a touchdown. But a big win there for the Cowboys. Cherokee over Blanket, 52-6. Lorraine downs Panther Creek, 56 to nothing. 
And Blackwell, hey, Blackwell, the Hornets break them up with a big win over the Rising Star Wildcats, 68-40. to 40. And you know, Lehman was probably very happy with that. I promise you, he was very, very happy. Of course. So, uh, let's uh, get to uh, our uh, look at our matchups that we got coming up this week in the so I'm going to ask you, Bobby, you call it area or do you call it regional semifinals? Well, see, here's the issue. Uh, six man's a little different because we have one less game than the rest of the classifications. So their area is really our regional semifinal. Some people call it regional semifinal. Some people call it area. It's so just... I just call it both. <laughs> I do too. It drives me crazy on a broadcast when I'm doing it. It's just too much to talk about. But well, uh, you don't want to say the slash area slash regional. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so let's get to the matchups in Division One, Region One up there. Nazareth and Spring Lake Earth doing battle Friday night at 7:30 in Petersburg, and then the highly awaited matchup between Knox City and Happy. That one is Friday night at seven o'clock in Motley County. In Region 2, Whiteface and Rankin doing, Rankin doing battle Friday night at 6 o'clock in Borden County. Uh, that should be an interesting ball game. I think Whiteface is, uh, they're, they're playing good football there. And then Westbrook and Buena Vista doing battle at 7 o'clock Friday night in Garden City. Over in Region 3, Gordon and Blum doing battle Friday night in Heiko at 7 o'clock. And Abbott and Union Hill Friday night as well at 7 o'clock in Maybank. And then finally in Region 4, Erion County and Lakey. Thursday night in Sonora, one of our few Thursday night games, and Medina and Jonesboro battling it out Friday night at 6.30 in the graveyard. Saba. Saba. So I didn't hear from anyone who played there last week about if the graveyard was above there. I, I'm pretty sure it is, though. Well, it's uh, just an interesting place to play football. It, it, I just can't imagine. But Medina and Jonesboro are going to do a battle there Friday night. So there's a look at Division One. Look at Division Two. Groom and Balmeray, two teams very far apart. And they will be <laughs> Friday night at 6 o'clock in Hermley, of all places. That's such an understatement. I can't even begin to address it. Groom and Balmeray, many miles. I wonder how many miles. I I don't know. That is that is amazing when you think about those two schools and how far apart they are. Also, uh, they're in Region 1, Klondike and Whitherell. It is a battle of Shamadric Weaver and Creed Warren. Speed on speed, Friday night at 7.30 at Trinity Christian in Lubbock. Okay, so I couldn't help oh, myself. I, okay. I did. I had to look it up. It is 415.4 miles. Oh, is that from, all? From Groom, Texas to Balmeray, Texas. And, and you know, you know, in Texas, we like to go by hours and not miles. So it's six hours and four minutes. Well, to put that in perspective, I can travel from Happy to San Antonio in seven. So just that kind of gives you an idea how far that is. Yeah, it's very far. Uh, Region 2, Jaden and Throckmorton going at it Friday night at 7 o'clock in Hamlin, home of the Pied Pipers. You always have to say that when you bring up Hamlin. And Newcastle and Benjamin, that one going on Friday night at 7 o'clock in Monday. Region 3, Oakwood and Oglesby, that should be a good one, 7 o'clock in Mahaya. And Bluffdale and Morgan, our Eagles there, at 7 o'clock in Dublin. Maybe they'll have a Dr. Pepper for us before they get started. Region 4, Lorraine in Richland Springs, and that should be one, a heck of a ball game. And Cristobal, that one's Friday night at 7 o'clock. And Cherokee and Blackwell, 
Friday night at 6.30 in Strawn, where Coach Dwayne Lee will be happy to host a football game. And they'll probably go eat at Mary's. I know I would if I were going to go to Strawn. You have to. So, you know, here's the fun part. Area regional semifinal. It's the playoffs. End of the day. You look through here, and now that the by district is out of the way, there are a few games I can look in here and say, okay, I, there's a definitive uh, a favorite in a ball game, but there are a lot of games uh, scattered throughout that just make you say, Bobby, this game's probably going to go four quarters, and the score's not going to be more than 10 either way. That's right. Uh, yeah, several of them. I think we're coming up on a week that is going to be a great week for games. I mean, but, you know, when is it not a great week for games? But playoff games especially, and some of these matchups are just incredible. I do have some additional notes that two of these teams have never won a playoff game until by district this past week. And they're the two M words, Medina and Morgan. So those those two teams both make school history by winning their by district game. So congratulations, both Morgan and Medina. That that's yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that here we are 2022, and that's their first ever playoff victory. That's amazing. In past years, this is so cool. In past years, Medina uh, lost in the bi-district round in 1954 to Pflugerville. Yes, in 1954, Pflugerville was six-man. How crazy is that? It is amazing. We talked about that all year long, the number of schools that actually played six-man, which is kind of funny because you know they look down on us now and go, six-man? Hey, guess what? Used to play it as well. That's right. And Lehman has every score you ever had for your team. So, (laughs) and he will pull it out in a moment's notice. He definitely will do that one. So let's go to a volleyball now where we will have a new champ in 2022. We definitely will. So this last weekend we had the regional tournament and the four survivors, so to speak, out of the each region. Region one was won by Klondike. Region two was won by Benjamin. Region three was won by B- the Blum Lady Cats. And region four, DeHennis Cowgirls won. So the state tournament will be in Garland, Texas at the Curtis Colwell Center. The semifinals are Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, like in three days, November 16th. And the two games will be at 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Benjamin will take on DeHennis at 11 a.m. and Klondike will face Blum at 1 p.m. And the winner of those two semifinal games will go to the state championship game and that game will be played Thursday, November 17th at 3 p.m. So I want to extend congratulations to all four teams making it to the 2022 UIL State Volleyball Tournament. Well, you know what's crazy about that? Three of those four schools I know are still in the playoffs in six-man, and I, I did not see a score, but I'm pretty sure DeHennis made the playoffs in Class 2A. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a busy week for fans from those towns. Yeah, it definitely will be, um, especially, yeah, I mean, you know, Benjamin's in there, Klondike, Blum, DeHennis. They're, talk about splitting fans. And, yes. you know, this is 1A, so there's not that many fans to split uh but at least it's on wednesday and thursday and most of the uh area slash (laughs) 
there I go again, regional quarterfinal <laughs> games <laughs> are on Friday. So maybe that's been, I'm, I'm pretty sure they scheduled it that way on purpose. Not the volleyball, but the Friday uh, football games. Yeah, people will definitely get lots of mileage on the vehicles uh, if you're going to be attending both of those. Uh, let's move to basketball. We went over the uh, TABC rankings last week, or at least the top 10 in the preseason. And, uh, you know, one thing that you caught, Bobby, and it amazes me, when you look on the girls' side, Valley is nowhere in the top 25. And that's that's a pretty big oversight when you look at it. Oh, it's a grave misjustice, if you ask me. But they played extremely well in the Region 1 tournament here in this past February. And they lost very few from that team. Not only that, but guess who they played with very closely this week? They only lost to number one, 2A Groover, by three points this past week. Yeah, I would say they need to be in the top 25. I I would think they need to be in the top five, if you're asking (laughs) me. Also of interest in basketball is that the preseason boys, number 12, text line one over number two, Lorenzo, 75 to 59. I thought this was kind of cool because we have an overlap in six-man football playoffs and the beginning of basketball. Three of the top 10 in the preseason polls for TABC are still in the six-man football playoffs. Well, I thought it was interesting. You know, we we kind of joked about this last year. Westbrook was in the top, top 25, the boys were, and they still had that 0-0 record, and some teams were getting ready to play district, yet they had just finished up football. I know, and I think that we'll probably have that same thing happen again this year, both in Division One and Division Two football. You know, those those people, that doesn't mean they're not good at basketball. It's just there's a little delay. Just a little bit. So don't forget, you can get all the basketball information on our basketball webpage. That's www. Yeah, people do say that. Otherwise, 1afan.com. Uh, so for the older folks, www.1a. That's the number one, afan.com. For you youngsters, 1afan.com, you get it. You know what we're talking about. Let's move to uh, a couple of additional notes you've got, as well as Lehman's Six Man 101. Yes, congratulations to Bobby Fouquet. Is that how you say that? I think so. Okay, Claude Lady Stang. She signed her letter of intent to continue her basketball career at the collegiate level for Emporia State University in Emporia, Kansas. So shout out to Bobby. Um, we hope to see you play this season, your senior season, and then go on and do well in the future. And in Lehman's Six Man 101, Richland Springs has made the playoff every year since 2001, and they only lost in the first round one time, and that was in 2008 to Strawn. They've only lost in the second round two times, and that was in 2013 against Calvert and 2017 against Milford. Here's something really, really cool. There are some very unique matchups this year in 2022 in the six-man playoffs. Lorraine and Richland Springs have never played each other, ever. How interesting is that? That's amazing. I mean, it really is in the six-man world. It seems like so many of these schools, especially if you're anywhere in shouting distance geography-wise that you play each other, so to have not ever played each other, that's that's a, that's a crazy stat. Well, hold on to your hat, Craig, because there's some more. 
Uh, here's some other unique matchups this week. These teams also have never played each other, either in regular season or in the playoffs. Abbott and Union Hill, Rankin and Whiteface. Abbott and Union Hill surprised me. That's two strong teams in Region 3. They've never faced. They're crazy. Uh, oh, well, you know, the the regions are a little messed up this year, so. True. It's, they're not messed up. Let me re- rephrase. They are different than in past years. How about that? That'll work. So we've got Abbott and Union Hill, Rankin and Whiteface, and Jonesboro and Medina. Uh, Lehman says that these teams have never faced each other. Oh, and Lorraine and Richland Springs. So four matchups. Four. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Um, are unique matchups. Um, he also included Erion County, Mertzen, um, in 1971, in the second round regional championship, tied Highland 22 all. So they were regional co-champs. Uh, penetration points were also tied at four each. So Erion County is zero, one, and one all time in the second round of the playoffs. They tied Highland in 1971, and they lost to Balmeray in 1962, 81 to 44. Arian County can write the ship, the historical ship, by winning this week. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Well, Bobby, so much that we went over this week. Playoffs by district. We got area slash regional semifinals coming at you. Volleyball, we're going to have a state champion by the time we're back on the air next Sunday. Can't wait to get to it. But uh, until next week, for those of you up in the Texas Panhandle, stay warm. There's snow coming in this week. For yay. the rest of the day, not yay. The rest of the day, you can look at us and you can laugh at us. It's okay. We're kind of used to that. But uh, let's get out of here for myself, Craig Spree, Happy Sports Network. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Go forward and do good. <laughs> <laughs>